Warning, MF Uncensored contains adult language and discussion. Listener discretion is advised. We're a couple of misfits. We're a couple of misfits. What's the matter with misfits? That's where we fit in. We're not happy and Hello, everyone, and welcome back to MF Uncensored. Don't forget, if you guys are listening to us on the go, you could find us on Podbean, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, iHeartRadio, basically anywhere you get your podcasts. You can also find more of our content on our website, themisfitfaction.com. There you find links to not only this show, but some of our other shows, like the Multiverse Fancast and Cinematic Adventures. And speaking of Cinematic Adventures, you know him from that show, and you know him from your mom's date book. It's Sean. Sean, how are you today? I'm just wonderful, Paul. How are you? I am doing all right. Thank you for asking. It's almost like you're a nice guy. Yeah, try to be. I try to be. I thought you were just going to say, yeah, and just leave it. Like, yeah. And then just done. Dead silence, which I would not edit out because we both know how much I love to edit the podcasts. At this point, I just kind of look at the editing software, and I'm just kind of like, oh, do I do I want to? Not going to lie, t- today's uh, Cinematic Adventures that got released, I was editing it at like 5 o'clock in the morning, and I was like, do I really need to edit it? Do I I could just throw it out there. Nobody, no, nobody, will, nobody will notice. Yeah. Oh, 5 o'clock. That sounds like fun. Uh, you were awake, too. I was already at work. I was already at work. You were already at work. I know. You you have the worst work schedule. Do you ever miss Babies or Us? Now those are the days. All right, so Sean has no clue what today's topic is. It Never is... do. That's not true. Yeah, for the most part, you always like to surprise with these. For this show, yes. For this show, I do. I, I did catch Ronnie on Multiverse the other day, though, but he, he got into it super quick. Okay. All yeah. right. So, Sean, you are a co-host of Cinematic Adventures, which is a movie about pod, uh, a podcast about movies. Figured it out. I had to switch it around. I'm so tired that that happens. Now, Sean's losing his shit right now laughing at me, so I'm just going to keep talking and hoping to provide entertainment to all of our listeners. Yeah, no, yes, I am a co-host of a podcast about movies or a movie about podcasts, whichever you prefer. I think if they ever were to do a movie about podcasts, we could be the stars. We could be extras. We could wait out in the parking lot. I got there eventually. We'd be out in the parking lot waiting patiently with our microphone. Uh, excuse me. Uh, can we uh, have a part in said movie? It's about podcasts, you say. Pushes up headphones. Anyway. So Sean has an aficionado or an efficiency. I tried to be fancy. It didn't work. Has an efficiency for movies. He probably knows movies better than I do. Arguably. So I thought now is a great time because there there is there are some differences between Sean and I. Mostly looks, but you know, whatever. I can't help it. I'm just so handsome. Sean, you're handsome too, don't worry. Don't worry. I I didn't mean that. That's all right. Sean, come back. Sean. 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 It, it didn't work as well when you did. I can actually just move away from the microphone. But anyway, mm. so there are there are one big difference between Sean and I. And that is our taste in movies. Most of the time, most of the time it, it aligns and we look for the same things in our movies. However, Sean has more of a proficiency for movies of a certain bygone era. And Paul has more of a proficiency for the modern movie. So today's discussion is going to be the golden age of films. Uh-huh. Or the, the I don't know, what's, what's a, I'm trying to think of a good... Let's just go with the classic movies versus the modern movie landscape. 
Well, what's your definition of modern? I would say modern. Let's go with 90s, anything from nineties and to present. Nineties to present. Let's let's say that as modern because, in all honesty, that is when we were alive. Okay. So modern for modern is relative. I think. I think it could be very relative. So yeah. let's uh, let's say here we'll do some examples. Um, you got modern movies. Let's you got big movies like Inception, The Social Network, Parasite, like all these movies that, that have come out that have just global fanfare and all that stuff. But then you have like your classics like Gone with the Wind, Casablanca, Citizen Kane, stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Now th- we are not going to say that one is bad. Because they're they're bad movies in every genre, but we're going to not debate, but discuss the more classic cinema versus the modern cinema. Cinema. What people look for. I'm having trouble talking. Sean, stop laughing at me. If you're gonna laugh, at least do it into the microphone so people can hear. Because otherwise, I gotta take out. The <laughs> it, uh, Joaquin Phoenix does it better. But anyway. His That's fake, fair. Fake laugh. Absolutely, he's an Academy Award-winning actor. I would assume he would do it better. Eh, is he though? Is he? Is he an Academy Award-winning actor? Is he though? I thought he was starting his rap career. <laughs> do you remember that when he did the method acting That's thing? Nice. He went on, what? Who did he go on? Uh, on Letterman. Letterman. I don't know if he yeah. did anyone else? I know he did Letterman. Yeah, that was a big thing and at the time. Letterman was in on the joke. He, he found it hysterical. Oh yeah, I think it, it was very Andy Kaufman. That's oh exactly what Andy Kaufman would do back in the 80s. Absolutely. So let's let's first start the impact and the influence of films. Okay. You have your classic films and then you have your modern films. Which do you think would have the higher cultural impact? The lasting – not only in the moment but also the staying power. So obviously let's look at – I'm going to pick three films from the classic era that I would like you to discuss their, uh, their cultural impact. You ready? Mm-hmm. The Godfather, the first Star Wars movie, and Psycho. Ooh. All right. So you you pick any one of those three to start with, and you talk about how those as classic movies have influenced filmmaking and how they have such incredible staying power. Well, I'll start with Psycho because that movie is arguably the grandfather of the slasher film. It is – if you are a fan of Hitchcock – it is such a different movie for him because right before that, he's done Rear Window, North by Northwest to catch these very good looking, you know, movies that are like in good, you know, locations, very colorful, very, you know, beautiful actors and actresses in them, um, very over the top storylines with a lot of suspense. Then you get this movie, Psycho, it's based off a book. It's gritty. It's black and white. It's low budget. It's about a guy who murders this girl for no reason at all. It is just for 1960. 1960. It's wild. Such a, I mean, the 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 uproar from like the movie critics at the time. They were calling it filth. They were calling it. You know, how could he, how could this auteur make this like just really like seedy movie? Mm-hmm. And obviously it became this huge thing, terrifying, terror for this day. Um, And it's now considered, depending on who you ask, it's considered, I think, Hitchcock's, one of Hitchcock's greatest films. I don't think it's his best movie, 
I think it's probably his top three. Mm-hmm. Um, but it is the grandfather of the slasher film. It is a, it's the movie that took horror out of science fiction, out of gothic castles in like Transylvania. Mm-hmm. Like we had never seen a murder in that way on movies from like just a regular person. It wasn't a mythological creature killing people. It was a normal boy next door who is just this psycho, absolute psycho. I mean, you know, to coin a better word. And it just was such a culture shock for the time. Unbelievable. And that, that movie changed cinema. Mm -hmm. I, I will, I will believe that movie was the beginning of the change in cinema that led to where we were like the exorcist or, you know, Halloween, you know, we would never have gotten those movies if it had not been for psycho back at that time. All right. Very well. Well said, Sean. Well said. Thank you. Thank you. Unlike me, who's having trouble with the woods right now. Yeah. Cinema. 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 Cinematic adventures. But anyway, different podcast. Now let's, uh, let's switch gears. Star Wars, the original Star Wars, a new hope. Oh, Star Wars. So, you know, it's, it, 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 it's always fun to look back to see exactly what George Lucas intended that movie to be. He wanted that movie to be an, uh, a love letter to the serials of the 30s and 40s, the really cheap, low-budget science fiction movies. And, you know, he... I don't... I, I, he, I think he knew what he was doing, but I don't think he in a way also knew what he was doing, what he, uh, yeah. what he was bringing to the world. There is no way facts. like, and also it's one thing like every content creator, whatever you want to call it, authors, uh, artists, any, anybody that's making something to be put out into the world, they, they want the best for it. Like I, we make podcasts and I, I tell my wife, my wife always goes, well, well, if you could quit your job and just do something for a living, like what would you do? I said, I would do podcasting. This is what I love to do. But I, I can't make a fortune off it. But we all hope to. We all hope to be like the Joe Rogan show and all these big shows making millions of dollars. But for George Lucas to not only put something out that nobody really believed in. That's why uh, That's why Fox doesn't give away their merchandising rights no more. Like that nobody had faith in. And suddenly it explodes into a cultural phenomenon that's still being so heavily invested in in the modern era there's it's rare there are very few franchises that have gone from a classic type cinema level to mm-hmm. still modernly relevant and yeah. star wars and james bond are really the only ones that come to mind uh yeah no i agree I, I, I can't think of another yeah. franchise that's that has that kind of i mean indiana jones could have stupid monkeys well, don't even talk about that. Talk about the last one. The last one was just as bad. Might even have been worse. Shia LaBeouf. But anyway. I actually would watch Kingdom of the Crystal Skull before watching Dial of Destiny again. See, I have to watch Dial of Destiny because I haven't seen it yet. That's how let down I was by that. I'm surprised that's not streaming by now. Time of recording, it's still not streaming. I think it's coming soon. It's Probably. Because it's not in theaters anymore, I don't think. Yeah. So... But they did announce that they're bringing Indiana Jones to Disney World to uh, Animal Kingdom. I saw that. That's pretty exciting. All right, and then the last one that I uh, mentioned was The Godfather. Godfather is another one of those. It's it's you know if you I don't know if you watched the um, Paramount Plus uh, miniseries The Offer. It was just about the back the backstory of the making of The Godfather. 
The Godfather is one of those things where it's just everything works. Everything came together in a, you know, chaotic way. You take this, this, this book that was just going up the charts of the best books uh, of the year. And Paramount at the time was like on the verge of bankruptcy, on the verge of being sold. You know, they, they went out and they bought the rights to a lot of really popular books, hoping that they could change the fortunes of the studio by making, you know, movie versions of these books. Um, a la the Godfather, a la the love story, you know, those were their two big saviors. And you go to, and, and at that time, movies about the mafia were like really poorly done, you know, obvious American actors, you know, really doing poor Italian impersonations. You had like shows like the, um, the, uh, the untouchables with these really bad actors doing really bad Italian, you know, stuff. So you hire a guy, Francis Ford Coppola, who is basically, I mean, in a way, he's, I'm going to call it blackmailed into making the movie, but he, his company was on the verge of bankruptcy he needed the money yeah, and he didn't want to work for Hollywood. He didn't want to work for a major motion picture studio. He wanted to be independent, but he needed, he needed the money and he, that was a quick cash grab for him. You take a chance on a guy like Marlon Brando, who in 1972 probably was thought to be a little over the hill as oh, yeah. an actor. Yeah. Um, was very, you know, pain in the butt to movie studios, didn't want to deal with them. Um, and you you get him, and he gives one of probably one of the top ten greatest performances of all time. You bring in these unknown actors, you know, who are probably more big on stage than on screen. You know, Al Pacino in his first ever movie, James Caan, Robert Duvall, Diane Keaton. I mean, these were unknowns to the cinema world, and you make this just absolute picture perfect film i mean the godfather is one of those movies that you could say is a perfect movie absolutely well done on every music script direction acting all that the art direction i mean it's obviously set in the in the 30s it looks it it's gritty it's not demeaning to the italian heritage of uh you know at all but what it does is it takes killers and you you root for them it's family. I mean, it was the original it, Fast and Furious. Pretty much. And it took, uh, what is it? Um, he, Francis Coppola himself, he was like, I'm going to make this a movie about family and, you know, the business of that family. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's, in a way, the book was different from that, but that's the one contribution I think Coppola made to the story was, this is about family. This is about this, you know, you know, group of uh, family members who are you know gonna be at each other's sides through thick and thin and you know you see that in obviously the evolution of the Al Pacino character and what he becomes but that I mean that movie is uh, so good I love that movie all right so let's jump to the modern era now where modern blockbusters are now expected to make millions and millions and millions of dollars. It is more about the almighty third day. It is more about the almighty dollar at this point than quality um, filmmaking for the most part. Um, There are plenty of other, uh, there are plenty of gems. So let's talk three movies. Can I I, I just jump in on you real quick? Yeah, jump in. I've been watching this documentary on Max about Warner brothers Mm -hmm. and how Warner brothers was this, you know, studio that would take chances on these movies, and most of it back in the set, you know, late sixties and seventies. I mean, The Exorcist, 
Who would have done that? Oh, I know, right? Uh, Dog Day Afternoon, Deliverance, the first Superman movie. I mean, we look at it now going like, oh, that's a no-doubter. But back then, they were like, that's were a gamble. Risk. We don't know risks, if this yeah. is going to work or not. Um, so that was that was the big thing about Hollywood, especially back in the late 60s and 70s, was these gritty movies, these you know taking gambles on all these uh, ideas that back in the 40s and 50s, you'd be like, we're not doing that. Mm. And not at all. All right, so let's talk the modern era. I'm going to pick three movies, and we will discuss Titanic, The Lion King, and the okay. fir- and the first Avengers movie. Okay. So um, I, I, I wanted to be very careful with the comic book movies, because obviously the problem with modern, very modern movies is is the franchising issue. And we'll talk about that. That is a topic for this for this episode. But I, it's hard to do the, the franchise movies and pick the one gem like, because you could say, this Avengers movie is better than this one, but this one made more money, so we should talk about it. like so, so it it gets complicated fast. I wanted to put Avengers Endgame on there, but that's a very subjective choice. Anyway, so the Lion King, Titanic, mm-hmm. and the first Avengers movie. So Titanic rolls around. James Cameron, and we'll talk about James Cameron is the probably the best, at least top three modern directors right now. For for the limited amount of stuff he's done mm-hmm. over the last thirty years, in thirty years he's made four movies. It's wild. Four movies, and all four. I mean, three of those movies are in the top. 10 of highest grossing movies of all time. Mm-hmm. And two of them were the top grossing movie of all time for multiple years. Like Titanic obviously was number one for 15 years. And then Avatar was number one for, I think, until Avengers. And then they did all the, all the stupid re-releases and then they just kind of went after each other. It was oh, actually a lot right. of, that was like, that was like one of the best movie grudge matches of all time. That so was funny. I wanted to also, I yeah, just to mess with it. But I wanted to pick, um, a standalone film. I wanted to pick an yeah. animated one, and I wanted to pick a franchise one. So, right. um, you got Titanic. Titanic was an epic when it came out. Epic. And it's a, it's a, it's a, it's kind of a drawback to the epics of the fifties. It's also a drawback to the disaster films of the seventies. Mm-hmm. Big budget, big cast. You know, just epic sets you know, stunts, all that stuff. It's kind of like a combination of all of that in one movie. Remember how Titanic came in two boxes? Ew, it was Or two that. two tapes? Two tapes in one box, yeah. That's when you knew the movie was long. That sounds Back dirty. Then. Two tapes, one box. Yeah, that sounds dirty. I, I remember uh, the grocery store, the A&P, was giving away, if you paid, if you spent, excuse me, $100 in groceries, you would get Titanic for free. Wow. Um, the- for value. Seriously. Back then, yeah, when tapes were only $12 a tape. But um, back then, tapes were They were expensive. expensive. I know, I know. I'm busting chops. But for me, like, A, I still remember going to see that movie in theaters with my mother and sister. Yeah, I saw it in theaters with my parents, too. Yeah, and then uh, I remember the intermission. I don't remember the intermission. Oh, we did, there was an intermission. Like, it was like a 10-minute intermission for you to, like, go get yeah. snacks and go to the bathroom and all that stuff. Now, I still think the most boss move they could have ever done was for the tapes. It should have cut right before you see Kate Winslet naked. Because then everybody would be like, well, I got to see it. 
you got to put in that second tape. It's like uh, the episode of Family Guy where he gets the, the therapy tapes. And you got to yes, keep ordering the next one. Got the tape, I got the tape, I got the tape. This is only for the men. But anyway, uh, so let's jump to The Lion King because nothing says um, inappropriate sex scenes and then a Disney movie. So The Lion King rolls around. Now, The Lion King was huge. It's still, I still consider it probably top tier Disney movie. It is, it is up there. And it, it's super rewatchable. And I think that the, the best thing about a lot of these movies is that they have a certain rewatchability. Either they're, they're stuck in a certain time period, like The Godfather, Titanic, or they, they don't rely on the outside world to tell their story. Yeah. And, and Lion King is in that group of Disney animated movies that's obviously now known as the Disney Renaissance. It's, you know, bringing Disney back from its, you know, crappy animation films. In quotations, crappy animation films. I still like them mm-hmm. of the seventies, eighties, and then you know up to Little Mermaid was their first one that was part of that. Part, uh, of, part, of, part of that world. That first. Part of part of that Which world. One? Part of that world. Yes, good good one there. But Lion King was kind of like the culmination of it. It was it was the success of Little Mermaid, the success of Beauty and the Beast, and Aladdin, and then it just it all just kind of bubbled up into the Lion King. The funny thing about Lion King is it was the first, I think it was the first movie that they split up the animators on. Yes. I think animators were given a choice. They were like, you can either work on Lion King or you can work on Pocahontas. And Pocahontas was like the hot movie. That's the movie like Disney was really banking on. It was a good movie. You know, Lion King was like kind of an afterthought. They had no idea what they had. No idea what it was going to be, so it's like it's all the B people. It's all the they obviously the second, couldn't they couldn't feel movie. the love. They couldn't feel the love tonight. No, they couldn't. Mm. And that movie, I, I didn't like Lion King as much as a kid as I do now. I liked Aladdin. I liked being the Beast. Lion King didn't it didn't it was good, but I, I didn't watch it as religiously as I watched the others. I liked Aladdin and I liked Lion King. Beauty and the Beast was like lower tier. It's still a fantastic movie. Like can't can't even argue yeah. it. But yeah, for me, I was more of a Aladdin than Lion King. Uh, Lion King is just so good. So well done. The music is fantastic. The score is unbelievable. On point. Hans Zimmer. Hans Zimmer, yeah. yeah. So let's, uh, and then we have the Avengers. Uh, the movie that launched, launched the franchise craze that we're currently in. Yes. It is the movie that showed that it, it could work. That it the, doing a crossover to this level, it they have done crossovers are nothing new. You go all the way back, you got Abbott and Costello fighting Frankenstein, like crossovers and stuff like that. Yeah, uh, crossovers were never they're not a new thing, but the Avengers was the first one to really be like, hey, look at how much money we can make, and yeah. and they they put out a quality content. Like uh, the first Avengers movie is fantastic. I love the first Avengers movie. If it's on, I'll throw it on. I, agree. I yeah. like it too. It's a it's a solid movie, mm-hmm. and it's it, it's again as we as we we've beaten this horse dead a million times. They had a plan. They knew what they were doing. It was let's introduce this character, this character, this character, and they're all going to team up eventually in Avengers. It was a five year period, you yeah. know, between Iron Man and Avengers one, and it was just it was a perfectly laid out plan and it just worked mm-hmm. i mean it could have failed iron man could have been a crappy movie and they would have been like ah crap all right what do we do now you know do we still make the we, we have the hulk coming out later in the summer i mean that'll be good 
But do we go ahead with Thor? Do we go ahead with Captain America? Do we recast Iron Man? What do we do? Oh, imagine. Wow. Everything, everything worked out perfectly for them to the point where you could argue straight through till Endgame. You know, they had really well done movies. You can cherry pick ones that are less superior than others, but I think that stretch of movies is is quality and and, and a lot of good entertainment in there mm. um what's come after i will say is not good in mm. my opinion but you know hopefully that'll change you know sooner rather than later yeah we no, that's a shame so let's talk about the evolution of filming techniques and the evolution of storytelling now you got your classic movies that relied a lot more on we need a solid script first and then you have the more modern movies where it's like, we have a solid idea. We're going to build the effects around it and then fine tune the script. Yeah. Do you think so that the, it's good? Go ahead. I was no, going to say, do you don't. think it's evidenced in the quality of the films? Well, I mean, you can go back to the old Hollywood and it was like, it was a factory system. I mean, you had, you know, you had actors on the contract, you had writers on the contract, you had uh, directors on the contract. So it was kind of like, how do we get, this director, this writer, this actor all in the movie, let's find a script that works, Mm -hmm. you know, that type of thing. You know, the actors got their freedom late forties into the fifties where they could choose which studio they wanted to work for. So the studio system was like basically dead by the late fifties. And that's kind of where we are now. There's really no studio system anymore. It's more just contracts with producers and, you know, that type of stuff. Um, but you could see it in, in the older movies, especially like from mid-30s to the 60s, where you had the um, the the code. The, the, why am I blanking on the name of it? Um, you can do the this. The code of ethics sure. um, that they had, where they couldn't say certain words. They couldn't right. do certain things. And in, in reality it actually made a lot of movies better because these writers had to come up with different ways to you know get their point across without using these you know trigger words that you know would be uh get them in trouble by the i think it's the brain code actually can you imagine something like that in the modern era (laughs) i'm triggered (laughs) now we just get the nc-17 rating or you know whatever if it's really that bad yeah not even that anymore. I don't. I don't even know the last NC seventeen movie that came out. That's true, but I mean, a blonde. A what? The, the Marilyn Monroe movie that uh, what's her name did. That's that's NC seventeen. Yeah. Really. Yeah. Why? I haven't seen it, but I know it's NC seventeen. Well, for what? Nudity, sex. Oh my know. god! Why am I not knowing this? Oh, who was it? Anna de Armas. Anna de Armas. I like her. She's very good. Very good actress. I love Knives Out. The first, I like both of them actually, but um, she was very good in the first one. I wanted to see that movie she did with uh, the Chris Evans. Chris yeah, Martin, I heard Martin. Chris Evans. I heard it wasn't that good. Uh, yeah, NC seventeen. Wow. What are, what are the odds? But anyway, all right. So let's also talk about nowadays. A movie is determined to be good based primarily on its box office that or scratch that it's a bigger debate between does box office success 
equate to quality movie. Now, back in the day, they weren't like movies obviously had to make money and they had to like line people's pockets, but we're not talking about the same kind of money in 1922 as opposed to 2022, right? So it's it's hard. You can adjust for inflation and all that stuff and you can, you know, kind of do that, but A, we hate math. B, I can't do math. C, I well, have I think, trouble like, thinking. For example, I think Gone with the Wind is still... The highest grossing film of all time? No, I don't think it's highest grossing. I think it's like top 10. Yeah. With inflation, like still in the top. A movie that was in 1939, if you you know made it the price that we pay for movies today, it's still a highest gross, one of the highest grossing movies of all time. Um, so, I mean, that was a big factor for studios, obviously, back then. But depending on the studio... You know, it was also like a lot of studio. You know, some like Warner Brothers was big on message movies. They they sometimes they didn't care about the 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 the, you the know, money the box office. It was a big plus, but they were willing to make movies that they were possibly sure were not going to make a lot of money. But they wanted to get the message across, especially in the '40s. They did movies like Confessions of a Nazi Spy. They were the first studio to pull out of Germany. Mm. You know, when Hitler took power, they were the first studio to say, I don't care about German money right now. I will not release movies in Germany, you know, because I don't I'm against everything that's going on over there. Right. They, you know, MGM wouldn't pull out didn't want to pull out, you know, 20th Century Fox didn't want to pull out of Germany. So, like, you know, money's always been big with money talks. Money always Um, talks. What? Money always talks. Money always talks. I mean. But the, the the big box office hits really didn't start till Jaws in '75. Hmm. So would that you was the first blockbuster? So would you say modern movies, if they're not box office successes, they're not successful movies? So it's a tough It also one. depends on what your definition of a box office success is, because if to me, if it makes its money back, plus I'd say if it doubles its budget, that's what I'm thinking. Double. It's a box office hit, in my opinion. Um, if it just makes its money back, it's okay. It you know did its job, whatever. But the whole point is, it's got to make more than what it was cost to make the movie. Mm-hmm. But you know, it it really depends on the studio. Some studios think movies should make more money than they do. Uh, what's a good example? Um, I think Tron. That's like Tron Legacy. Um, I think ended up making. Let's just say it made more than half, more than half of its budget back, mm-hmm. uh, which is a successful movie. But Disney was like, "That's not good enough. We're not going to make another one until ten plus years later, and we're going to recast the whole." And Jared Leto. Speaking of which, and we'll talk about this in a second. Franchising, um, Blade, the original Blade. Did you ever see the deleted ending or the alternate ending for Blade? I'm going to assume um, no, because you, you're you're. I don't think- so in the alternate so ending, remember. Blade looks over on a building, and guess who he sees there? Morbius. Yup. Yeah. So they. Morbius. Uh, it was like some in the distance kind of silhouetted type. You can't really see. Oh, okay. But it was right. it was almost Morbin time, almost more than twenty years ago. <laughs> but it probably would have been done a lot better then than 10 it was. Trillion uh... percent. So. I, I just because you mentioned it, I just watched a couple like a week ago. I watched that opening scene of Blade. Oh, oh that movie still fantastic. to this day is so good. So good. That movie is fantastic. I I can always watch that movie. Twenty three years, I think. Yeah, it came out in two thousand. I still think it's top five best 
superhero movies. Oh, agreed. And it's and it started the modern superhero genre. A lot of people say it was X Men. I will say it's it's Blade. But speaking of the modern superhero genre, franchising. Marvel showed how effective franchising could could be when done correctly. Many studios have tried and failed to replicate said idea. DC, I'll say it, they did not succeed. Um, the Dark Universe, which I know you were you were excited for when they first announced it, and then, yeah. Um, but then every every studio was trying to create their cinematic universe. And do you think that franchising has now run it? Do you think it it hampens the movie quality because it's so busy trying to do setup, or do you think having franchises in big worlds to go see makes movies better? That's a great question, and it's it's tough to say because if it's handled by the right people, it could be great. It could be done very well. It's just a lot of these franchises were helmed by or were just they chose the wrong people to do them or to 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 make the certain movies that were. I, to this day, I still don't understand why the Mummy was the choice to be the first movie in that dark universe. I think people were familiar uh, with the the with the property just because of the Brendan Fraser movies. But it's just, I don't know, still still don't don't get it. I really don't. But, you know, if you look at, like, oh, you know, Fast and the Furious is Universal's franchise. I mean, that is their bread and butter right now. Um, and it is just being bled dry to the point where a vampire is just like, there's nothing left, man. I, <laughs> I, I can't literally get anything out of this. But it still makes money, and they're going to keep making them until it doesn't make money anymore. Right. Um, the you know Marvel had it. Marvel did it the best, and and I and I commend Ke- uh, Kevin Feige for that. He had a plan. He picked the right people. Whether that's um, why am I blanking on his name? Director of, Ir- of Iron Man. Why am I blanking? John Favreau. Thank you, Favreau. Yeah. You have you obviously you pick um, he who shall not be named for Avengers uh, and Avengers uh, Age, Age of Ultron. Ultron. But then you find the Russo brothers. Yeah. Who were unknowns. You know, I think they had done, I don't know what they had done. I think they might have done, uh, you know, visual effects or something like that. But here they come in the, with uh, Captain America Winter Soldier, and they take over the whole franchise from from everyone else to the point where they were just, making all the movies david yates in the harry potter movies you look at harry potter you know chris columbus creates the world then you go from one director to another director but then you find david yates who directs the final um four movies so it's just finding the right people to helm these projects and you know having a set plan to do it Mm -hmm. um sadly dark universe just didn't do it right and they chose just stupid idea for the first one um it could have been so much better but i'm not bitter at all not bitter at all so let's end with something fun give me at least one classic movie recommendation and one modern movie recommendation doesn't have to be like the one movie that everybody has to see but like just something that a classic movie that you thoroughly enjoy that when people ask hey what's a good classic movie you're like this one and a modern one. I'm gonna go with I'm gonna go with Duck Soup, the Marx Brothers. I I, I know. I interviewed the guy who uh, wrote the Marx Brothers biography. Yeah. Yeah. All right. 
Have you seen Duck Soup? No. There you go. It's a film recommendation. All right, there you go. Karl Marx. Hey. And then a modern one? Uh, I don't have many modern recommendations. Um, it's a good movie I haven't seen. A Barbie. I thought Barbie was very good. Okay, that's 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 a, that's a solid choice. Uh, I'm gonna stay away from the comic book recommendations because we'll be here for days. Uh, a classic one for me. I'm gonna say The Wizard of Oz. All right. And then a modern one. I kind of want to say Inception. Inception's a great movie. I love that movie. I haven't watched that in so long. I gotta go back and watch that. All of of Nolan's films are great. Yeah, Christopher Nolan. He's another one. Modern directors. He's like the guy. Like he's he's up there. His. I I haven't seen Tenant. No. That movie movie got screwed, obviously, by the COVID pandemic. Mm -hmm. But um, I think that movie. You should. You should have seen that movie on the big screen. But Dunkirk, Oppenheimer, you know, Inception, obviously the Dark Knight films, uh, Interstellar. Each, you know, all the all his movies really have been event films. Oh yeah, like he's there, become there's event, he's become that event director, honestly. Well, there, there's movies and then there's cinema, right? Mm-hmm. And cinema. and there's and that that's classic and modern. Like there are there are movies, there are movies that you go to and you expect very, you know, you get what you get. Cinema is something that's just so extravagant, like, and it can be in different ways. One, it can be, it can be quality, it can be spectacle, like. Avatar is quality cinema, but it's not like it's not reinventing the wheel script wise. It's Dances with Wolves, but they're blue. You know, um, Avengers Endgame is stylistically it's cinema, but it's script and its script is okay. But like, it's only okay if you saw forty seven other movies beforehand. Yes, and then or you're an avid comic book reader, right? And then, but like Wizard of Oz is it's so breathtaking from just this is color. This is like the first real big color movie and you know, or gone with the wind is both. It's a cinematic event in every capacity. So yeah. See, did you enjoy this topic that I did not give you any prep time? Good. For? Very good. You did, did a good job. You did a great job with uh, no prep time at all. Thank you. I appreciate that. If only, if only I could find a topic you didn't know nothing about, and then we'd see what, how long the episode would go. But we want to thank you guys for listening. If you guys are looking for more of our content, you can check out our website, themisfitfaction.com. You'll find links to all of our other shows as well as news, reviews, and articles. We also are on all the social media. If you type in The Misfit Faction or MF Uncensored, we're on Twitter, TikTok, Instagram, Facebook, all those things. Make sure you find us, like, follow, subscribe, all that stuff. And we will be back next week with a brand new episode. In the meantime, I'm Paul. I'm sure. And we'll see you guys next time. Hey guys, it's Paul and the Misfit Faction is looking for your help. We are trying to grow not only our network, but also grow our brands. And the best way to do that is if you guys are looking to start your very own podcast. Maybe you guys have been listening to us for a while. Maybe it's something you guys have always wanted to do, but you're not sure how to get started. If you go to podbean.com slash Misfit Faction, you guys will get a month of free podcasting on us. That is a gift from us. So make sure if you guys are looking to start your own show, you reach out to us and go to podbean.com slash Misfit Faction. Also, maybe you guys have your own online business or service. That you're always looking to grow, and advertising is a very big part of that. If you guys go to sponsorship.podbean.com/slash Misfit Faction, you guys can get a hundred dollars worth of free advertising again as a thank you from us to you guys. That's sponsorship.podbean.com/slash Misfit Faction.